We'll take our text this morning from the Scripture reading, John chapter 15, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. These are Christ's words. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Of course, Christ here again was teaching by way of a parable. He was using this analogy of the vine and the branch to tell his disciples something very important. This conversation he had with his disciples took place the night before his crucifixion. So he was telling them some things that they needed to know. Of course, in those first few verses, it gives us an overview of what he was saying. He was telling them that he, Christ, was that true vine. The husbandman, which is God, is the owner of the vineyard, and we are his branches, or in this case, his disciples are the branches. But you'll notice, and you probably did notice as well in the scripture reading, there is a word that continually occurs, and that is the word abide. That's actually mentioned ten times in those eleven verses. So, again, the Lord was letting him know the importance of abiding, the necessity to abide in him. So, with the Lord's help, we'll consider that this morning. The word abide has some different definitions. Abide means to continue, to remain, to depend upon, to reside, to await, to endure, or to live. To abide means to live somewhere. You know, there is a cost involved in abiding or living someplace. We know that. If you want to live in a nice neighborhood or an exclusive area, you're going to pay a premium to abide there. I was just curious. I did a quick Google search of the 10 most expensive places in the United States to live. And this is a mystery to me. But number one on the list is the city of San Francisco. Why you would pay a fortune to live in a city that resembles a third world country is beyond me. But it is the most expensive place to live. But obviously to reside or to live somewhere, to abide someplace, there's a cost involved. Well, Jesus lets us know there is a cost to abiding in him. And he tells us what that cost is in that same chapter, verses 18 through 20. Jesus told his disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Jesus was letting them know there's a price to abiding. 
In Matthew 16, 24, again, Jesus, as he was speaking to his disciples, he let them know what the cost of discipleship was. He says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That hasn't changed. Still the same requirement today. And even in Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 30, again, Christ was teaching by way of parable, but he was telling his disciples to consider the cost. He says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish So Jesus was saying, consider the cost. Consider what it will cost to abide in me. You know, the Lord wasn't telling his disciples or any future followers these things to discourage them, but to test them, to let them know. Jesus isn't looking for fickle followers. The Lord wants committed Christians that will follow him, that will abide to the very end. So he's letting them know there's a cost involved. But as we consider that cost, we, of course, consider what it will cost us. We know we need to yield. We surrender to the Lord. We exchange our wills for His. But we also need to consider what it cost Christ for us to be able to abide in Him. And we also need to consider what it will cost us if we don't. Of course, we know what it cost the Lord. It cost Him His life. It cost Him His precious blood. Jesus hung on that rugged cross and paid the price for our redemption, for our salvation. It says he came to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. He had to give his life in order for us to be able to have life. As again, as the vine and the branch, you know, the branch is sustained and supported and given life by that sap that flows from the vine to the branch. In the same way, Christ, he's that True vine, we're the branch. We're given life and sustained through that precious blood that he shed on Calvary, that blood that continues to flow for us. So we know there is a cost involved. Cost Christ everything. It's going to cost us something. But we must consider what costs are involved if we don't abide in Christ. And Jesus told his disciples that as well in that same chapter. Again, verse 6 says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. In Psalm 1, it lets us know the difference by way of contrast and comparison. It likens that righteous man or that one who is abiding in the Lord. It says that that man delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We see this picture of abiding says, for that man, he's like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf won't wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That sounds good. It's one of the benefits of abiding. goes on to tell us, the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. They won't stand in the judgment, nor in the congregation of the righteous. And then in verse 6 of Psalm 1, he says, The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
So we can see the cost for those who follow Christ and abide in Christ. It's far easier and far less expensive than for those who don't. We've all heard it said, choices have consequences. We know that. Life teaches us that. Well, you know, a consequence is something produced by an action. Consequences can be good or bad. Well, spiritual choices have consequences, eternal consequences. Of course, we know to abide in the vine, even if we endure some things. Paul said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We know there's an award awaiting those who are willing to abide in Christ. For those who don't, we know the fate of the wicked is a terrible thing. But we have a choice. There's wonderful promises to those who will abide in Christ. We'll look at some of those promises. Actually, four of those promises, many are contained in this 15th chapter. tells us that those who abide in Christ will be fruit-bearing Christians. Their prayers will be answered. We'll experience incredible peace. And we know that abiding in Christ will make us ready for the rapture says that we will bear fruit. Again, John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth fruit, much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Whose responsibility is it to bear fruit? Is it the responsibility of the branch? Or is it the responsibility of the vine? I think sometimes as Christians we can get caught up with this idea that we have to do something. I don't think the branch sits there thinking, am I producing fruit? Am I producing fruit? No, our responsibility is to stay attached to the vine. That is our responsibility. That's our obligation. The Lord, the vine, produces the fruit. We're just the branch. We're that conduit that that, the Spirit of the Lord can flow through to produce that fruit. But we know it's the vine that produces the fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know, people can produce a lot of things. Even godless people can do good deeds. Even wicked people can produce results and works, and sometimes they get good results. You know, for years, there was a section of highway on, it was the two freeway down in Los Angeles. It went to Glendale and Pasadena, and I would pass this sign, and it said, this section of highway sponsored by the Atheists of America. Well, they were doing something good. They were maintaining the freeway, keeping it safe, keeping it beautified. No doubt the residents probably appreciated the efforts, but you know, really, there was no lasting benefits to that. We know even godless people can produce results. You know, good deeds... Even good works, we know they can yield good results. You can get results from a machine. But fruit is something different. Fruit can only be produced from something living, something alive. 
People can do many things in the name of the Lord, but only those that are attached to the vine can produce fruit. But the Word of God says if we are attached to that vine, we will be producing fruit. Jesus gives a again in Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, the Lord talks about those that would do good works and good deeds. He says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. People can do a lot of things even in the name of Christ. But unless they're attached to the vine, they won't produce any fruit that is worthwhile or that will certainly have any eternal benefit. So we need to be attached to that vine to bear that spiritual fruit. Again, if we're abiding, we're not worrying about bearing fruit. You know, if you are attached to the vine, you'll automatically bear fruit. That's what the Word of God tells us. We may not even realize we're bearing fruit. But if we are abiding in Christ, we will be. I thought of the testimony of Brother Chick Beasley. He came from a broken home. He said he was an old railer and blasphemer. That's how he described himself before he was saved. And just went out into the depths of sin. Never knew anything about eternal life or the salvation message or anything like that. In 1917, he and his wife moved to Portland. And he said he went to work in a manufacturing plant on the east side of the city. He says it was there that he came in contact with the old-time religion. So the man, a young man, 16 years of age, came from the Apostolic Faith Church to work at that factory there. And he said he worked across the bench from this man and said sometimes a chick said he would get upset. He would, uh, not this man, but chick would get upset and he would, when he'd try to force things through that machinery and it get jammed up, he'd curse and swear and throw things around. But he said, as he watched that man, he says, that man's life convicted him. So that man preached a silent sermon to me every day. Didn't say a thing. He was just there, blooming where he was planted. That's what the Lord expects. Finally, one day, he said, he went around that table and he asked that man, he says, what church do you belong to? That young man said, I don't belong to any church. I'm just a Christian. I attend the Apostolic Faith Church. He said, after that, he treated that man differently and he began to ask questions. This man began to tell him how the Lord could come into his life and clean him up, save him, transform him. Sometime later, he went to church, to the Apostolic Faith. He heard the same thing. And at the end of that service, he went down and he prayed, confessed his sins. God came in and completely transformed him. He said, I went to church to work the next day, a new creature. Lord, help him to go back over that old life and straighten up those old past sins and gave him victory. It all started because one young man was just simply bearing fruit. That's what we do when we're abiding in the vine. We abide, the Lord provides. That's all that's required of us, but we will bear fruit. Let's just know what that fruit will look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Brother Roth has been going over some of these in some of his messages, but that's the type of fruit that people should be seeing in our lives. If we're attached to the vine, this is what will be produced. 
How do we produce more fruit? Or how does the Lord produce more fruit? It says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That it may bring forth more fruit. You know, that pruning process is not always comfortable. The Lord doesn't do it to punish us. He does it to help us, to strengthen us, to allow us to produce more fruit. Sometimes with certain fruit trees or certain vines, there's a shoot that can attach itself to that vine. It's called a sucker. That's what it is. It sucks the nutrients from that branch or from that tree. It won't necessarily kill that tree, but it'll greatly hinder the output of the crop. It'll affect the fruit. So the husbandman, or God in this case, he comes along, he trims those suckers off, takes those things out, prunes and works and purges that we might produce more fruit. He doesn't do that to punish us. He does that to help us. We know, too, if we're abiding in Christ, the Word of God tells us we have a guaranteed promise that our prayers will be answered. Doesn't that sound good? John fifteen seven it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That's a promise from Jesus. Well, you might think, well, why do some prayers go unanswered? Why doesn't the Lord give us everything we ask for? Well, the key, we need to be abiding in Christ. James 4.3 tells us why some of those prayers aren't answered. He says, ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. If people are going to pray selfish prayers with self-centered desires, they're not going to get their prayers answered. I was reminded of a little story I read. There was a man who was talking to God, and he was considering how big and how powerful God was. So he said, God, how long is a million years to you? And God replied, a million years is like a second. So then the man asked, well, God, how much is a million dollars to you? God said, well, a million dollars is like a penny. So the man said, well, God, could you spare a penny? God said, sure, but you'll have to wait a second. So obviously, that was a prayer that the Lord didn't see a need to answer necessarily. But if we're abiding in Christ, what kind of prayers will we be praying? We're praying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. We'll be praying prayers for His glory. We're just the branch. We just are a conduit of the Lord. Uh, we, he bears fruit through us, but we're going to pray, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. We'll be praying prayers that pre- please the Lord. We won't be asking for things that won't bring Him glory. First John 3.22, it says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. We know that abiding in the vine will bring tremendous peace. Peace that passes all human understanding. What's the natural tendency of our minds when we face a difficulty or a trying circumstance or some kind of disaster? Automatically, probably most of us, we go into panic mode. But Isaiah 26.3 gives us a beautiful promise here. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Again, we see this picture of abiding. 
We keep our minds stayed on Christ. We keep our trust in the Lord. You have to have those two things to abide. But he says he'll give us that perfect peace. Jesus says it's a peace that passeth all understanding. Again, I'll share a little story told by a man by the name of Adrian Rogers. He told about a man one time who was on a flight to Denver, Colorado. And the airplane flew into a terrible storm. There was awful turbulence. The passengers on the plane were beginning to panic and get frantic. But this man happened to look over next to him. And sitting next to him was this petite elderly lady that was completely at peace. And it baffled this man. And she was humming the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. So he asked her, he says, Lady, aren't you afraid? Well, she smiled, and this is how she responded. She says, not at all. I'm a Christian. My heart belongs to Christ. Not long ago, one of my daughters died, but she was a beautiful Christian, and she is in heaven. I have another daughter who is in Denver, Colorado, where this plane is going. I am looking forward to visiting with her, but the truth is it doesn't matter much doesn't make much difference to me which daughter I visit. She was perfectly at peace. If the plane made it to Denver, amen. She was in heaven, thank the Lord. But she had that peace, that assurance of knowing that she was abiding in Christ. You can only get that kind of peace by abiding in Christ. The world won't give you that kind of peace. Only Christ can. Of course, we know if we abide in Christ, the Word of God lets us know we will be rapture ready. First John 2.28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, this morning, we're faced with two inescapable facts. Jesus is coming again. That's a fact. And we are all going to face Jesus someday. People can deny it. They can ignore it. They can say it isn't true. It's not going to happen. Does it change a thing? Those are two inescapable facts. This world is not our final destination. Every one of us will one day leave this world. And after this life, we're going to face an eternity. Again, that is something that no one is going to escape. It's a fact. The question is, where will you spend eternity? We have a choice. You know, again, the Bible says those that refuse to abide in Christ, those that refuse to yield their lives to the Lord, uh, says they're going to be bundled together and burned in the fire. And that, that fire will burn, but it won't consume. It's an awful fate for the ungodly. Or the wicked, but we could escape the judgment of God by being planted in Christ, by being attached to that vine, and by abiding in Him. Jesus says, They that endure to the end shall be saved. It's a wonderful promise. So we see the importance and the blessings of abiding in Christ. Well, how do we abide in Him? Well, we know we can't abide in Christ until He first abides in us. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. There's an old painting of Jesus knocking on the door. You might have a reprint of it in your own house. And if you 
Look closely, that door in that painting represents our hearts. And Jesus is knocking on that door, but if you look closely, there's no doorknob to the outside of that door. That wasn't by accident. That door can only be opened from the inside out. Jesus won't force his way in. He stands at the door and he knocks. He wants to come in. He wants to abide, but we have to be willing to hear his voice, open that door and let him in. But when we do, that's when we begin to abide with Christ. We want to continue to abide. John 15, 10 says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Again, obedience to Christ is an absolute necessity for abiding in Christ. You can't abide in Christ until you're willing to obey And you can't obey until you're abiding. So we see obedience. 1 John 2, 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So our walk, we need to walk as Christ walked. Our example and our conduct must reflect that of Christ. So we have to be consistent. There was an old poster on the wall of a Sunday school department years ago in L.A. I never forgot what it said. It said, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? It's a pretty sobering thought. But we must live consistent Christian lives. 1 John 3.6 says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Those that are abiding in Christ will be living sinless, godless, holy, victorious lives. Anyone who says they're a follower of Christ and still continues in sin is not abiding in Christ. The Lord makes it very clear. Finally, Psalm 16, 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. We want to set the Lord always before us. Part of abiding in Christ is Keep our eyes on Jesus. We look to the Lord. We look up. That's where our help comes from. Our redemption draws nigh. We look up. Hebrews says, To those that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know, the greatest concern that faced most Americans today, and it's a growing concern, is the concern for safety. People want to feel safe. They want to abide in a safe place. They want to live in safe neighborhoods. They want a place that's free from fear of harm or violence. They want a place where they can go to at the end of the day that offers refuge and rest. They want a place where they can raise their families in peace. They want a place where they can pillow their head at the end of the day with peace in their hearts and minds. Well, you'd be hard-pressed to find a place like that in this whole world. But you know, Jesus Christ offers every one of us a place just like that. We can abide in Christ. The Lord wants us to abide in Him. He gave His life so that we're able to abide in Him. But we have to first let Him in. Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You know, if the Lord is knocking on your heart this morning. If the Lord is wanting to come in, open your heart to the Lord. Surrender your life to Christ. The Lord will come in. He'll transform you. 
to give you that peace of knowing uh, no matter what happens in this old world, you have a promise that's secure in heaven as long as you abide in Christ. And one day, one day we'll be together in the presence of the Lord. What a wonderful hope we have. That hope can be yours today. Come, let's sing 591. Spend some time abiding in the Lord this morning.